Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of LAC1. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, today I am missing Saji. Uh, I hope to uh, have Saji back by the next time. For most, next week will be session nine, and the focus will be social determinants of health as well as the midpoint assessment for this course. But first, the disclaimer. Today, my views and opinions are my own and in no way reflect the views and opinions of the TCU and UNT Health Science Center School of Medicine. It was so nice over the last few weeks to see your faces, preceptors. Uh, it was nice to connect for some of our check-ins and then also yesterday at the FM departmental meeting. Um, thank you so much for your time and and devotion to our students. Really, without you, there is no experience. So to dive right in, um, in medical school world, uh, your students just took their behavioral health module test, and they'll be starting their neuroscience module next week. And in clinical skills, they just had a behavioral health focus session. And next week, they'll be doing a pediatrics focus session. Um, we're already starting to plan for next year. I can't believe it, but in July, new students will show up for phase one. So recently I sent out some email. Um, thank you so much, loyal listeners, uh, for tuning in. And if you can, just respond to uh, either email about your precepting plans for next year. So we'll get right into it. What are the session objectives, the things you'll see on Skills Eval? Number one, um, for at least one patient, gain permission to administer the prepare survey to better understand their needs and develop a plan to respond with your preceptor and communicate that plan to your patient. So um, I know that uh, number one, some people are saying, what the heck is this prepare thing? But uh, Lisa McBride, our Dean of Diversity Inclusion last year, gave me some tips on this tool. It's just a survey to help gather information about social determinants of health. Um, it's uh, used or developed by the National Association of um, Community Health Centers. And it's, it's just a survey. And I, I have an interest in, in this topic. I, I feel I practice in a community, um, an under-resourced community, and um, often struggle with how to um, help our patients with those social dis determinants. You know, we all know we're about 10% of the health equation in terms of um, how people do in their health and um, how much influence we can exert outside of the somewhat artificial walls of our offices, um, I think is a real challenge. You know, back in Boston, if I identified food insecurity, we had a partnership with a stop and shop grocery store and I could write a prescription for a food voucher. And that felt really great in, in when I was practicing in that under-resourced neighborhood. And so, you know, as I kind of think about how do I screen, how do I understand those needs? Um, sometimes it, it feels overwhelming already we're dealing with so much data. So the prepare tool, um, this is a, a survey, there's a link to this in the pre-work, which is mandatory for students, certainly optional for you. And then I included um, in the newsletter this time around, also the, the kind of acting on your data chapter from this toolkit um, uh, for implementing this type of survey. Probably in many of your practices and systems, the EMR already has like a social determinants 
um, tab or button. And I, I um, did a little investigating into what we have at JPS and Epic and found that, you know, right now there's probably not a workflow for gathering this data. There certainly are boxes to check, but it seems like no one is checking them. And of course, you know, when we assess barriers um, to engagement and control for chronic diseases, of course, all this stuff plays a role, unstable housing, food insecurity, um, um, employment, and just financial resources. We deal with this every day, all day. So for me, I, I liked just eyeballing the act on your data chapter um, from the prepare toolkit. And by the way, prepare stands for protocol for responding to and assessing patient assets, risks, and experiences. And so I don't want to stress you out with this thing, but hopefully this is just a nice opportunity to let someone else spend some time with your patient um, and gather this data. And then, and then just to think about how much we can do for patients and how much we can't. Um, and I bet that's going to also vary from setting to setting. So um, that is the first objective. And if it's a bridge too far, if the student shows up and they're like, pro what? Well, you know, maybe that's a, that's a topic of discussion. They're not prepared for the session, but if, if really it's a bridge too far for them to print out and bring this survey, then, you know, you can also just uh, take a 10,000 foot view and, and, and kind of try to think about those domains. Like, you know, how's it going with money and resources, social, emotional health, um, family and home status, even personal characteristics and how those influence the health of our patients, you know, drilling down to even farm worker status, veteran status, um, language preference, all of these things impact, impact, of course, as you well know, the health of our patients. Um, I also uh, included in the pre-work for students an interesting impact of COVID-19 on those social determinants of health, really just to review. So you guys have that too in, in the newsletter. And then there was um, also in the pre-work a nice um, now open access New England Journal article that talked about how do we kind of make identifying information about health disparities more accessible and they have this University of Wisconsin um, Area Deprivation Index. So I, if I type in um, 76119, which is the zip code for where, where uh, Stop 6 Clinic is, you know, it has an area deprivation index of 10, which is sort of like, uh, you know, um, on the level of um, under-resourced developing nation. And, you know, and just kind of to contrast, and I type in my own zip code where I live, you know, and, and that is an area deprivation index of one. So it's the utmost highly resourced area, not too far distance, physical distance separates these two places. I can get to work in 15 minutes, but it's a world away in, in terms of how people experience life. Um, and then just kind of riffing on that, there was an optional um, pre-work for students. It's the NPR Hidden Brain podcast called Zip Code Destiny. It's, a, it's about an hour. And um, there they had this great opportunity atlas, which I also just invite you to, to look at. Um, it was also really enlightening for me to put in um, even just comparing and contrasting my zip code and um, the zip code where I practice. So hopefully um, there will be some nice discussions about social determinants of health, your frustrations, about how, how can we um, as individual clinicians 
help patients with these things or connect them or bridge them to resources. And then, you know, you know, big, big policy discussions as well, I think may, may happen or may not. Um, so anyway, that was a big digression. So we've just, uh, I'll move on to uh, number two. So um, after identifying a need for a patient that you assessed with the PREPARE survey, or of course, again, like I said, if it's a bridge too far to look at this specific tool, then, you know, after a discussion and thinking about those various domains of social determinants of health, you know, can, can the student think about assisting the patient in connecting with a resource? So that, you know, may be as simple as looking on the GoodRx app for something that's less expensive in terms of a prescription, or it could be, you know, helping the patient connect with a social worker, care coordinators, a clinical staff, nurse, patient advocates, um, helping them apply for like a, a patient assistance program for expensive meds, um, housing or food assistance, a WIC form. So all that stuff um, to help uh, our patients and, and kind of get, get them thinking about how much work um, we do or how, how we have others on the team who help us do this for our patients. Um, number three would be contrasting the needs of the patient you assessed with the, the prepare, which again, I don't want to freak people out, but it'd be like contrast the needs of the patient um, with whom you assess their social determinants of health in some way, and then an, an attempt to assist with the ability of resources for that patient and just discuss with your pre preceptor how that impacts care for that person. I feel like a, already I have, and you likely have, already had these discussions. You identify, you know, this patient is couch surfing. I have no reliable housing. They're on some list for housing or they're not because they just can't figure out how to get on that list. Or there is, you know, that list is closed because there's an eight year waiting list or, you know, you get the picture. Um, and then how that lack of stable housing impacts, you know, they're not going to dialysis or they're not really taking their insulin or, you know, et cetera. So I'm sure you've already had lots of conversations about this um, for your patients. So, um, so that's the social determinant side. And then one of the main things that I hope happens is there's some time set aside for you guys to have feedback about how it's going so far. Um, the students self-assessed, they were, they, they wrote down some narrative comments on what they thought were their behaviors to continue, what they thought their behaviors were to improve, as well as examples of feedback that they've received from you in, um, in, uh, the course so far. So I've asked them, I, I had FaceTime with, uh, all 60 of them, 61 of them, uh, this past week. And I asked them deliberately to huddle, you know, in the huddle to uh, to talk about setting aside time for this debrief and uh, and feedback session and for them to bring either a paper copy of that uh, self-assessment or to remember to recall that so that they can help inform your um, um, narrative comments about about those things. So I hope that um, there are some face to face debrief feedback about how it's going so far for this mid-year time. Um, I sent emails. There's skills available. There's now an app for that Woo! in the iTunes store for Apple. So that's pretty nice. Um, 
for the faculty development stuff, I just um, copy pasted the tips for feedback that I provide in the last newsletter because I know these newsletters are too long. So um, here it is again. And then um, I already reviewed, I think, some of the, the, the pre-work stuff. So again, thanks so much for everything that you do. I feel happy. I did this in about 12 minutes. Woo-woo. And um, again, if you have any feedback for me about how things are going, especially, you know, as you think about the midpoint and how your students doing, I certainly don't want to be surprised by, by you telling me that you think this student is at risk for failure, you know, um, on the email, like it's, it'd be, it'd be nice, like just to have a, a, a good heads up. So as you think about how, how they're doing, um, please um, let me know if you have any big concerns. I'd, I'd love to know about them ahead of time and then also hear your thoughts on what we can do to help the student get better if that's the case. Um, also, I uh, want to let you know that your students are writing about their experiences with you. They have some really great narrative reflections. Ask them about it. Um, I recently shared a narrative reflection with a preceptor. They were curious. I, they called me and asked, you know, how am I doing? And again, I promise next session, I'll, I'll kind of give you some more granular data about the feedback that, you know, the students also assess or evaluate the program. And I got some nice um, comments for that. Uh, I had hoped to do that this time, but I think there's just so much going on with mid-year. But, but next time after we're, or over this mid-year assessment time, um, I'll give you some deliberate feedback. But uh, needless to say, I shared with the preceptor this lovely narrative about how the student was struggling with not knowing, with being fearful about not knowing, with being, um, you know, kind of this imposter syndrome, um, fearful about how the patient would receive them. And then it was just a, a really nice piece of writing about how they went into the encounter they had some validation, some confirmation that they are actually learning stuff in their uh, mechanisms of health and disease course. And then when they had the interaction with the preceptor, it was really affirming to them. It was they modeled that you know they don't know all the answers because of course we don't, but they definitely had a strategy to try to find out, to try to help, which which I just thought was wonderful. So thanks everyone so much. I'll make a plug for clinical skills cohorts. Uh, position. There is some FTE involved with this. We'd love to get some more primary care representation in this clinical skills. It's um, So if you have some um, availability coming up in the next year for Tuesday afternoons or Wednesday afternoons, let me know if you want more information. But there is FTE, and I think it's a nice chance to really, again, uh, mentor a group of students um, um, as they do their clinical skills course. Thanks, everyone. Bye.